Hey listeners, welcome back to another episode of Technology Innovation Series, part of the Maintenance Disrupted Podcast. The importance of partnerships, not only from a vendor to a customer, but from a vendor to a vendor to create a more holistic approach to maintenance and reliability is what is driving Industry 4.0 solutions. Solution providers are now being challenged by customers like you to be open, to be able to connect to existing and new software that are coming into their plants to provide a better asset performance management system. This week, we welcome Graham from NanoPrecise and Sandy from Fix Software to the show. Through a recent partnership, Flix and NanoPrecise have made it easier than ever for organizations to monitor the health of their equipment in real time, detect anomalous behavior, automatically trigger maintenance activities, and generate in-depth reports on the asset performance and condition. This podcast speaks to the shift that is happening in our industry on the open by design ecosystem of solution providers coming together to solve a greater problem. Before we get into the podcast, here's a quick note from our sponsor. Hello, everybody. This is Steve Doby here, one of your hosts of Maintenance Disrupted. If maintaining heavy equipment in BC and Alberta is part of your job, I'm excited to tell you about the fuel and lubricant supplier, Star West Petroleum. Having personally worked with Star West, I can tell you their service is unmatched and they are committed to saving you both money and downtime. Their service team learns your equipment and suggests ways to extend its life and overall perform better. I was in the throes of starting a new job at a large-scale mine in BC, and we wanted to improve reliability quickly. One of our top issues was hydrocarbon management, and with the support of StarWest team, we were able to reduce our cost and ultimately chart a better path forward for our hydrocarbon management. My bosses were impressed, but I really can't take the credit. StarWest Petroleum did all the legwork. StarWest is a top-tier distributor of Phillips 66 lubricants, Kindall Performance Motor Oils, Phillips 66 Aviation Lubricants, Redline Synthetics, and Aspen Alkylate Fuel for Professionals. Also available from StarWest is clear and marked gasoline and diesel heating and furnace oil, but really it's their customer service that stands out. For more information, go to starwestpetroleum.ca or send me an email and I will get you in contact with the StarWest team. You'll be glad you did, and so will your equipment. Now, here's your episode. Graham and Sandy, welcome. Welcome to Maintenance Disrupted Podcast. Uh, This is the technology innovation series where we're focusing on the technology and people that are fueling industry 4.0. So Graham, we've had you on this podcast before. Graham, um, you are from NanoPrecise. Welcome back, Graham. Thanks, Blair. Great to be here. And Sandy, Sandy D'Souza, you are from Fix uh, CMMS Software. Thank you for coming on the show, Sandy. Thanks for having me, Blair. Looking forward to it. So the reason we got together is um, in, in I'm a big believer in obviously technology, but also openness of technology. And, and my career dates back to, you know, just on the, on the end, I'll say of the pneumatic systems and instrumentation and automation, as we started to see software start to take over our plants and facilities and things like that. And, and if we go back in time, we, we often saw, you know, one vendor often owning the entire ecosystem of a plant, whether, you know, GE got in Honeywell, Emerson, Rockwell, those type of companies get in and, and, you know, try to broaden the reach as much in these 
in these plants. And really what we're seeing as a change, in my opinion, and a lot of people agree with me in industry 4.0 or digital transformation is this openness of these companies coming together, that there is not going to be one organization necessarily that, you know, solves every problem that a facility will have and specifically to maintenance and reliability. And I was very excited to see the press release a while back that NanoPrecise, you know, uh, uh, a startup company focusing on great technology that we've had on this podcast before in terms of rotating equipment, using artificial intelligence, vibration, acoustics, RPM, humidity, all those things to help predict the life of an asset, combining with the openness and AI abilities of fixed CMMS come together to solve a you know, a lot, I guess, of customer problems. So I think this speaks to what is happening with our industry. And I wanted to get both of you on this podcast to share your experiences about why you've come together. You guys are you know, often seen in different places, but you came together for to solve customer problems. So I appreciate you guys coming on the show today. Yeah, great to be here. And uh, yeah, I mean, the press release kind of uh, encapsulates it well. And uh, I don't know if Sandy or, or, or myself want to talk about it a little bit, but yeah, I mean, from our side, uh, the simple fact at NanoPrecise is that we do a, a very in-depth analysis portion on machinery, but it doesn't matter how many insights you deliver, if it doesn't actually translate into action and uh, to actually get something done on the operations side, uh, then all of the investment you've made basically goes to waste. And, and that's where uh, systems like FIX really uh, come into play, where how do we automate the transfer of an insight into you know, a system that manages the operational part of uh, maintenance and, and planning? Exactly. And I think that's the key, right? And, and we've seen this, and I've, I've, I've preached this personally, and we've had a lot of listeners comment on it as well, is you can do all the greatest work possible to detect that failure at the earliest possible point. But if you can't act on that, then there's no point doing it in the first place. Right. And, and uh, we had a gentleman on from semiotic labs recently, and I think he summed it up great by saying, um, you know, that last mile is typically a human mile, right? It's human action. You need to take action on that. If that piece of equipment is failing, do you need to change your operational set points? Do you need to order spare parts and all those types of things? Right. So I think this integration is, you know, a, a very good integration to help automate that process. Yeah, I, you know, from, from my perspective, completely agree, right? Like FIX was born, you know, just, just about 10 years ago, uh, recently acquired uh, by, by Rockwell Automation a couple months ago now. Um, but, you know, really we were born out of the belief that uh, a maintenance tool, maintenance solution um, should be easy to use. And really it should enable organizations to take their existing business processes, digitize them, and really not be disruptive to the people who are out in the field. Now, our focus up until now has really been, you know, how do we enable those core maintenance use cases, such as uh, tracking of assets, uh, execution of work orders, management of spare parts, you know, reviewing reports, things like that. But we always have this vision that, you know, really there's so much more you can do uh, in a connected environment. Um, you know, machines today produce um, volumes upon volumes of data. Um, there's incredible solutions like NanoPrecise in the market that really provide very unique insights um, and tools to diagnose problems potentially before they occur. And really the way FIX sees the market is that open ecosystems ultimately um, will win and will ultimately provide uh, the, best, uh, the best solutions for clients uh, depending on the use cases and depending on the problems um, that they're trying to solve. So a partnership like this to us is very, very natural because 
NanoPrecise is um, the subject matter expert when it comes to rotational equipment. Um, they've got a purpose-built solution. And really what we're able to do with our open, open platform, open API uh, partner ecosystem is take the insights generated um, at the sensor level uh, and really just have that fit in um, with uh, ordinary and existing workflows that are they're already optimized, already in place. So um, yeah, really great partnership for us um, and very excited um, for what the future holds. Yeah, and just to extend to that, Blair, it's the sort of discussion around, okay, well, I've got this plant that, you know, I, I want, you know, I've had a fix or a CMMS for a while and I've got, you know, my equipment list, et cetera, like how, you know, and then my next step is I want to uh, step into predictive. Okay, well, how do I make that as easy as possible without having to redo the entire uh, system or a complex integration and I think you mentioned it numerous times in your podcast, like moving data around is, is no longer the, the big issue. Um, but it, if you can make it as easy as export equipment list with tags and names uh, from a FIX system, which is basically what we've uh, built with uh, an API from FIX and apply sensors. And you know, in a week, you're basically up and running. Uh, that, that's kind of the desired open architecture and that's what FIX is built on their part. And uh, we were really excited to kind of see how easy it was to connect the two pieces. Exactly. And I think that's, that's the key takeaway is, is uh, I shouldn't say B, but what, one of the, the key takeaways is that openness connection on both sides. And I think, you know, the way I've always described it is we're moving, you should really, instead of be moving data at each layer you move, data, it should become more and more insightful, right? Mm -hmm. So by the time, um, like, I, I don't know, Sandy, if you agree with this, but um, like what NanoPrecise is doing from a vibration point of view is they're, they're taking vibration data. If you know vibration data, it is dense. It's a short time span with a lot of dense information in terms of a FFTs and spectrums and things like that, right? That information residing in a CMMS is not a lot of value because obviously you need to, to, to analyze that data. It's not information at that point. What you're trying to do is move those fault modes. So once NanoPrecise starts to classify, you know, these anomalies or gets even further saying they're detecting these specific failure modes, those are the type of insights that should go from a platform like NanoPrecise into uh, fixed CMMS to then drive automatic work or creations, making sure you have spare parts, all those type of things. Is, is that true? Do you agree with that, Sandy? Yeah, I, I agree 100%, right? Like if you think about the volume of data that's being generated and analyzed, um, certainly makes sense to do that at the edge um, as NanoPrecise is doing. And then in terms of the data that's being transmitted and sent to the cloud, you know, that needs to happen in near time. It needs to happen in an efficient manner. Um, and ultimately the target system, in this case FIX, needs to be able to read that input and quickly set off uh, a workflow that's predefined. So in this case, um, you know, a fault that is detected by NanoPrecise would come into FIX as an event. And that event would have predefined tasks, potentially predefined spare parts associated with it, um, perhaps even predefined um, technicians that are assigned. And that work order would get generated with an appropriate priority level automatically notify the right tech um, on their smartphone uh, and then action can be taken. Um, and I think, you know, as we think about, you know, what is the best way to approach this? What is most efficient? You know, how do you ultimately combine best of breed technology, best of breed solutions, 
best of breed insights uh, and put them together, um, we really believe that uh, you know this is the right way to do it. And ultimately, you know, what we're able to do is solve problems uh, in the most effective way, but I think also, you know, very importantly, uh, in the most efficient way uh, as well. Yeah, and that that makes a that makes a lot of sense. And and you know, more and more we're starting to see, uh, you know, whether it's in our our domain of of maintenance reliability or not, of more and more of these. Um, partner ecosystems starting to develop and really the success of a in my opinion of a of a partnership like this where where two four purpose built softwares are starting to 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 talk and exchange information is to the end user it should be you know for the most part seamless right and and um you know i've always said and, and any of us that have spent time in in either in maintenance and reliability shops or you go to the operations command center or the operations room, right? And you see, you know, there was a trend moving away from, you know, back when we used to have um, individual level gauges and things like that on our on our panels, moved it to big screen TVs and we often replaced them like for like. So we had a big control panel. Now we have, you know, these big screens everywhere, right? <laughs> um, and, it, and it's interesting because although I've, I've helped develop, go to market a number of, of software platforms, I said, the world doesn't need another platform, right? As it, you know, as, as unintuitive as that sounds, right? We, we don't need these, these platforms everywhere, right? And, and what we should be doing, in my opinion, is, is having, you know, if the maintenance should be owned through a CMMS and then go through that CMMS out to other platforms to gather more information once those insights are given to you. Um, so I, I haven't seen it, but I'm hoping that is what you guys have been able to build here with that uh, connection into software, where it's not just a, a loose hook in back in the in the back end, but you're really just pushing numbers through, right? It's a true seamless connection. Yeah, you know what? What I it's funny, right? Like when I talk to customers, and I you know had the opportunity to be out on the floor uh, a bunch in in my four years um, so far um, at Fix, and you know kind of the overwhelming theme, if you will, um, from all of the folks who are working in the maintenance department is that they want the technology to kind of get out of the way, right? Like um, we see, you know, anywhere between, you know, 60 to 70% of new clients to fix uh, coming to fix from paper and pen or Excel. Um, mm. So, so they're, they're <laughs> trying to, you know, start out on this journey where they can, they can get a digital system uh, in place. And in, in some cases, those organizations that have a digital system in place, um, ultimately was a system that they deployed, but it never really got used effectively. And if you, if you go down the list and you, you talk to clients and you ask them, you know, hey, what happened? Like, why didn't this work? And the, the feedback more often than not is, you know, the tool was just more time consuming for the technicians to actually go and use or for even the schedulers for that matter to go and use. And ultimately it got in the way of what they did uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. And then, you know, you layer on, other data sources and looking to, you know, take production data, take machine data and input that into a system manually. Now all of a sudden you've added layers upon layers of complexity um, and, and really the tool that we're talking about now, instead of making your life more efficient, um, you've really introduced um, complexity and I think ultimately frustration um, into the lives of people who have a tough enough job um, as it is. So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Blair, going back to what you said, you know, super, super important for, for this to be seamless, um, super important for the data to flow in a logical manner um, and in a manner that uh, basically enables the workflow, but, uh, you know, really doesn't become cumbersome 
Um, so I think I think you're spot on, and uh, you know that's really what we liked about uh, the team over at uh, at NanoPrecise. I mean, I think philosophically, um, vision-wise, um, in terms of the you know first principles, if you will, very aligned uh, to how we think about solving the same problems um, in the market. Yeah, Blair, I'm I'm really curious about your your uh, well, and you too, Sandy, your perspective from a you know, if somebody's going from paper and pen, like, and basically uh, doing maintenance on, on a, either a preventative or even just a break fix method, is CMMS like the first step they should take in your guys' opinion? Or because you see people trying to sometimes accelerate all the way to like the most advanced thing right away. Right. You know, is CMMS the easiest, best value, like day one? Yeah. So, yeah, and we can go into uh, another five-hour podcast with that. <laughs> and, I, you know, I think you're looking at, you know, your question is around from a software point of view. Now, yeah. if you don't understand, you know, first of all, your, your asset taxonomy, what exactly you have and criticality and failure modes, and that would be the first step. But once you get past that, um, and, and here's the reality, and I'm sure, Sandy, you would know this as well, is... Um, when you say CMMS to someone like, hey, you know, how, how confident are you are in your CMMS, in the data in your CMMS, right? And you get a lot of eye rolls and grunts and things like that, right? And I think, um, you know, that's always been a challenge with traditional CMMS systems that have traditionally gone through, you know, that um, from Excel. Um, and and by, by all means, I have seen people run a pretty um, efficient maintenance strategy through Excel. Um, but mind you, they're not in the thousands or hundreds of thousands of assets, right? Small microbreweries and things like that. You, you can do that job in there. It just depends how much time you want to spend on it. So I, I would absolutely, in my opinion, um, and again, this is my opinion, not necessarily reflecting those that made it disrupted or, right, I got to do a, a disclaimer there, but uh, <laughs> it is... Um, right, is the, the, the maintenance strategy or even stretch it out the asset, man, the asset management strategy should reside in the CMS system, right? And where I've seen a lot of things start to fall down is, give an example, is an RCM strategy. An RCM strategy, and for people that have never gone through one, the acronym is Reliability Centered Maintenance, but also referred to as the resource consuming monster, right? <laughs> um, and really what we see is, you know, is, is someone going through an RCM strategy, which is great. You bring people from operations and everything to, to, to bring feedback into that strategy. And then it ends up in a binder up on, you know, the maintenance manager or whoever's desk, right? Really where that information needs to get to, to take actionable insight from that RCM is into the CMMS, right? Yeah. And I think that's exactly where it is. Now, what you guys are doing is taking that actionable insights from your rotating a piece of equipment and you guys are sidestepping that binder, right? Or that pen and paper, or I get an alert on my phone, but now I still have to go and create a work order to address that, right? So, no, so you're, you're removing the steps and, and let's be honest, um, humans are great at a lot of things that AI, in my opinion, AI to this point is not going to replace us for a lot of things. But one mm. thing it can do is automate the repetitive tasks and eliminate those human fares that we can introduce. Mm. I don't know how many times I've seen alerts come in. Okay, I got to create a work order because this bearing is going to fail. Like what happened? I forgot to create the work order, <laughs> right? Yep. <laughs> yeah, and I think that was part of what we saw as well with like Sandy and his team is, uh, and, you know, and I, I had a really good discussion with one of uh, Fix's uh, partners in uh, South Africa about this is that they had that progression where, you know, an end user was starting from almost nothing. 
and then they they took the step towards CMMS, and now all of a sudden they're graduating to the next level up, which is okay. Well, now we want to get a little further along with predictive maintenance. Uh, and the great part about that is they actually have some data already from their CMMS over time that we've been able to look at and go, oh well, you know, these are the kinds of asset types you seem to have the most problem with. So let's start there. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And and um, I, I think one thing I've come to learn is there there's a when it comes to adopting technology and saying I'll get your input on this because I'm sure you've done maybe one or two CMMS implementations now <laughs> um, is you know you have to have that fundamental system in place like a CMMS and that fundamental um, foundation of maintenance and reliability. But after that point, technology is not a linear adoption. So if you go back to, you know, before NanoPrecise existed, or even go back, I'm going to say five to 10 years before really the MEM sensor and IoT really came out was, you know, the majority of data that was collected was route based, right? It was on a monthly basis and you would take that, take it back to software. If you had an issue, then you would go create work orders in your system or events as Sandy put it. Um, but now, right, there is no reason why companies like the one you just mentioned could not skip that route-based connection and go st strictly or directly to a nano-precise online solution automatically feeding a, uh, a fixed CMMS system, right? Even though you skip that route-based maintenance, and the analogy I give is, you know, my kids never do up, never grew up with dial-up internet. They're never going to know that sound. <laughs> Right, or, and a phone call comes in and kicks you off. Right, they didn't grow up with that, but that hasn't stopped them from taking advantage of, you know, full on of what technology is bringing them now. Right, although they they lose their mind when there's a commercial on regular TV, they're just not used to it. Like, how do we skip this? I'm like, it's a commercial. You got to listen to it. Right, um, but you don't need to have that that linear um, adoption of technology. Now, Sandy, would would you agree with that? Is that what you're seeing? Is is because you're obviously an AI driven maintenance management platform. No one's going to start with a non-driven AI <laughs> maintenance management platform and say, eventually I'm going to get up to that. No, you're going to future-proof yourself and say, I'm going to invest in the leading technology at this point forward. Yeah, no, 100%, right? And uh, we, we kind of took the approach um, based on feedback from our clients that, you know, really there's, there's a journey um, towards digi digitization and various organizations are at different stages of that. And, you know, I'll be a little bit provocative, right? Like, you know, we are, we are a great technology tool and we can really help digitize your maintenance program and we can help um, apply um, insights derived using AI um, to really solve some pretty complex problems in very simplified ways. Um, but ultimately, um, you know, we're, when we onboard clients, like we're, we're helping them take existing processes. And if those processes are already um, very strong from a maintenance standpoint, then, you know, that really gives um, those organizations a great head start. And if not, then, you know, we, we work with those organizations and, uh, you know, we really help them to, you know, fine tune um, processes and, you know, really, really help uh, with the change management. You know, how do you, how do you go from a reactive environment to a, to a preventative environment? How do we establish those KPIs, and then how do we begin the early stages of that journey so that you know once once you're in a digital environment and you're generating uh, both you know human generated data as well as uh, equipment data um, from the machines, you know then how do you really harness and take full advantage of all that AI has to offer 
So, so, so we, we take a pretty, you know, um, pragmatic approach, if you will, uh, to it that, you know, not everybody's going to be in the same spot. It's not always going to be, uh, actually, it's never going to be, you know, a fully linear journey. There's going to be, you know, puts and takes and bumps on the road and, uh, you know, deviations where necessary, but, but ultimately, you know, you're headed to the ultimate, um, objective and, um, you know, we're, there's that commitment, I think, uh, that's very important um, from a culture perspective to, um, you know, really drive towards uh, improvement over time and, uh, you know, c continually uh, improve the, the practices over the long run. Exactly. And, and what I like about and what I'm seeing um, through, you know, these type of partnerships is, is Sandy, I guess you're the, you're the director of strategic alliances and, and you know, you're building up a portfolio of strategic alliances to solve solutions that your customers have, right? So it's not just, you know, we have this one solution, this is it. You're continually evolving those, those partnerships and that ecosystem through this openness to be able to add more and more features to your customers. Yeah, 100%, right? Like, so we, you know, we, we take the approach that you know, there's going to be many problems that we can solve uh, natively in our software, but there's going to be just as many, if not more problems that, uh, you know, we're really going to rely on partners who uh, focus on those, those individual uh, problems and issues. And they've got the know-how and the technology um, to, to actually go and do it in an effective manner. And, and in which case, you know, it certainly doesn't make sense for us to, you know, try and try and build everything um, ourselves, but rather, you know, you know, establish those strategic relationships and, um, you know, solve those problems and provide the best of breeds solutions. So that, that ecosystem strategy and the open strategy, you know, already has paid dividends. And I believe, you know, we, we are still in, in our early days when it comes to uh, industrial software ecosystems. Um, and uh, I believe the best is yet to come um, as, as far as I'm concerned as we as we head into the future. You know, it's interesting, like I kind of see the journey as, you know, we saw we saw ecosystems do so well when it comes to consumer technology. You know, anyone who has an iPhone or an Android and you go to the app store and, you know, you can type in virtually any word and you can always find an app that uh, right. will, will support your use case. And that phenomenon carried into enterprise software to a large degree, right? Like we saw Salesforce and Salesforce has got, you know, a tremendous community of, of partners that have specific solutions that are made to work Jeez. with the Salesforce platform. You've got NetSuite, you've got SAP, you've got, you know, a number of different platforms that have done that in, in business systems. And, That's right. um, you know, Fix is really the first to do it when it comes to uh, industrial software. And, and that's what really what gets us uh, uh, so excited uh, these days. That's right. You guys weren't going to compete against Salesforce to buy Slack, were you? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wish, right? <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Um, add, a, add a couple zeros to the bank. That's account right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm starting to see these, these acquisitions. Oh my gosh. I can't fathom the, the numbers there. Um, and, and I guess th this leads into, you know, obviously the tech side where I, I geek out is specifically on the AI side, just because, you know, that's, that's my background. Um, and, you know, so when we had Graham on previously, we talked a lot about their AI, how they're using unsupervised learning just to do anomaly detection. If they don't have any baseline data on that piece of asset, they move over to supervised learning to start classifying the failure modes and things like that in specific. And I can imagine, I'm picturing this in my head, this very specific data coming over you know, to from either anomalies or very specific identifications of faults 
and the remaining useful life, which we went down a wormhole and opened up a whole level of different conversations on the podcast, which is fantastic. So I invite our listeners, if you want to learn what NanoPrecise is doing from an AI point of view or understand better how to start to, to, to look at the remaining useful life of, of an asset, listen to that podcast. So um, Sandy, what I want to get into on, on your end, specifically from the tech side, is you know it's a, you're calling yourself an AI-enabled CMMS, which I think is fantastic. So an open and AI-enabled CMMS. And I think it was a couple of years ago, you made an acquisition of an IoT company that brought some of these um, techniques and, and, and strategies forward. So what are you using um, from an AI perspective on a CMMS system? Yeah, great question, Blair. Um, you know, so from a CMMS perspective, if we if we kind of you know zoom out a little bit for a second, what's pretty unique about um, uh, about about Fix in particular is you know we have the benefit of of capturing both uh, human generated as well as machine generated data uh, in the platform. Um, you know, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about human generated data for a second, right? But you know, as, as you think about human generated data, um, you know, things like uh, parts that are being consumed. Um, on work orders, um, things like uh, upcoming work orders, time spent on those work orders, um, thousands, literally thousands of variables being inputted into the system um, every single day uh, across the breadth uh, of, of our clients around the world. So, um, you know, just a, just a ton of uh, very valuable uh, information that's being captured from a, from a human perspective. Uh, and, then, and then on the machine side, um, you know, again, thousands of data points from different sensors, different types of equipment um, that's being ingested. And, you know, as, as we were taking our journey as an organization, you know, I think in terms of principles, you know, we believed our core product, first of all, had to be uh, exceptional and we had to be easy to use and we had to be easy to roll out and so forth. Um, number two, you know, we believed that the open ecosystems would ultimately uh, win uh, in, in the category. And then number three, we believed that through the data that's being generated by humans and by machines, there's a tremendous opportunity to not only provide the insights, but also provide the actions and really that closed loop uh, around, you know, insights to actions um, and then create that flywheel effect um, beyond that. So to that end, um, you know, we launched a product called, uh, or product suite rather, called Fix Foresight in, uh, in, in mid, mid-2020. Um, two of the products uh, in that suite are in market. The third one uh, you, you'll see uh, here shortly. Um, but the first two products are, are, are really focused as follows. Um, so, so product number one uh, is something that we call parts forecaster. Basically, you know, trying to solve the problem um, with respect to uh, MRO inventory. You certainly don't want to have too much and tie up your working capital, and you certainly don't want to have too little and potentially risk stocking out um, a critical component for um, you know, a critical piece of equipment. And, and so what we do is we take a look at historical consumption um, as well as predicted consumption um, from things like uh, upcoming PMs and so forth. And we provide recommendations to the, uh, to the MRO clerk so that uh, the appropriate um, inventory can be ordered in every, any given week to ensure that you kind of have that optimal level of inventory on hand. So incredibly valuable when you think about, um, you know, deploying your, your capital as an organization in the most efficient way possible. Um, the second component um, in, in Fixed Foresight uh, is really around uh, work order health. So taking a look at all of those variables uh, and there's, there's hundreds of variables that go into work orders 
and identifying work orders that could present risks um, to equipment in the future. So are there elements in a work order um, that could potentially lead to an unplanned failure down the road? Um, and, and really what our clients have told us is, you know, they, they've been looking for ways to identify these types of anomalies, but of course, you know, on a, from, on a human level, incredibly difficult and time consuming to do that. Now, of course, the benefit we have um, is, uh, you know, is our machine learning model that, uh, that really allows us to pick the needle out of a haystack um, when it comes to these types of, uh, these types of anomalies. So, um, you know, again, hugely, hugely valuable. And, you know, the more, the more you use the system, the, the better it gets, the better it's able to predict um, anomalies that could lead to negative consequences uh, down the road. Uh, and then finally, you know, the other, the other product as part of the suite um, as of right now uh, is really focused on asset health. So NanoPrecise, you know, first of all, uh, you know, tremendous solution, you know, super purpose-built when it comes to rotational equipment. Our view on asset health really will be taking a holistic view um, on a, you know, much broader um, piece of equipment, if you will, um, and uh, combining multiple, multiple data points to ultimately provide uh, insight with respect to um, pending failure, degradation in asset health, you know, in, interesting story. So we did a, we did an alpha project uh, in early 2020 um, against data that was coming from a stamping press. Um, stamping press, you know, notoriously difficult to predict yeah. um, failures in advance. But, uh, you know, what the team was able to do using the algorithm that they've built is three days in advance of a catastrophic failure, we were, we were able to identify in the data that, um, not just one sensor, but the combination of sensors were behaving in an anomalous way, and we were able to predict um, that failure um, well in advance. So, um, you know, more to come certainly from uh, the commercialization of that particular product. But, um, you know, it's, it, I think it's a testament to you know what data science can do um, in this space, and I believe we're we're, we're just scratching the surface uh, with respect to what is possible. Absolutely. And I think, you know, for anyone listening, and, and unfortunately, the majority's, majority of our listeners are stuck with the CMS system, right? So they already have one. And they're right now they're banging their heads going, oh my gosh, right? So, so first of all, you know, specifically anyone that's in charge of, of the MRO stockroom and things like that is typically you forecast inventory on, on historical data, right? So by automating that and using ML, you're using not only the historical data, but also the forecasted data of upcoming work orders and things like that are gonna use parts, right? So that's another great example of where AI can help um, let us make better informed decisions on stock inventory, right? As you said, there is a fine line between too much and too little. And the, that sweet spot is very, very difficult, right? Um, and I think that that's fantastic. And, and the other part is, you know, and, and we see this and it's a fundamental issue we have in maintenance and reliability. And we always say this is, you know, if you have your work order system and you put, you know, what was the, you start tracking your failure codes, right? Um, so, you know, if you have 10 different failure codes and then of course you have other, everyone picks other, right? Um, and as you said, there's you know, hundreds and hundreds of variables that go into a work order to start to flag, you know, those issues when you start to do, because what you want to do is, is the whole point of, of, you know, work orders is to make sure you get the work done, obviously, and you have the right parts and things like that, but is to learn from it, right? We're all about learning from what's happened in the past and what, to, what we need for that to happen is good data. So if you get bad data going into your CMMS, then you'll actually have bad 
analysis coming out, right? So the ability to comb through, you know, hundreds and thousands of work orders, but multiply by that, by the hundreds of variables that are in each work order to look for anomalies is going to be a huge benefit as people start to mature and optimize their maintenance strategy. Yeah, yeah super interesting, Sandy. I'm, I'm curious on the, to get up to speed with uh, those AI-based uh, tools, is there a time frame, or is there, uh, you know, particular industry types and things that you basically have a repository that you can deploy immediately, or what's the sort of lead-in time? Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a great question. I think you know the, the best answer, and uh, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, it's somewhat ambiguous. Is you know, it, it depends, right? Depends on depends on the use case, depends on the equipment. But um, you know, we um, you know we we've seen some gr great results with uh, you know minimal. Uh, amounts of, uh, of training data, you know, things like uh, forecasting the parts, um, yep. things like, uh, you know, detecting um, the, the health of, of work orders. What we find is that the vast majority of our clients um, across, you know, small, medium and large are able to glean value um, from, from those particular solutions um, very, very quickly. So, um, you know, the, the barrier to entry is actually quite, quite small and, you um, you know, given given our architecture, you know, being a multi-tenant uh, cloud-based, you know, SaaS platform, um, you know, it's something we can turn on um, fairly easily or very easily and uh, and take advantage of that data. Now, of course, you know, your your insights get better, uh, you know, as as you use the system. So you've kind of got this cumulative effect where, you know, over time, as you know, as you use the system more, um, as you continue to um, follow your your operational uh, blueprint, if you will. Um, you're going to get better and better insights. And as a result, you know, when, when we talked about the flywheel effect, um, yeah. that's just going to create more efficiencies um, uh, moving forward. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just an area we're, we're, we're super excited about. And again, I think, you know, none of this is possible unless, you know, the fundamentals are there. And certainly, you know, we believe we've kind of accomplished some of the fundamentals from a tech perspective, um, but also, um, you know, when, when clients have um, a maintenance practice that, you uh, is is somewhat mature um, and they're able to to really take full full, full advantage of the technology. Um, you know, it, it leads to that much um, that much better uh, results uh, in the end. Very cool. Yeah, and I think you know, and you mentioned it uh, early on, Sandy, that uh, there was a recent acquisition of of Rockwell Automation, um, which is you know, congratulations to the to the fixed team. You know, we started in in. 2008 and I think did uh, um, up to a series C running round of, of funding which is which is fantastic and and you know that part is the public domain you can see that obviously the um, the specific details in, in the Rockwell automation um, acquisition is is um, unspecified at this time um, but uh, you know obviously Rockwell automation um, a, a giant player fortune, a 500 company um, and dominant in, in our space. Well, and as I say ours, but I grew up in the instrument automation space. Um, so you know, really, if you, if you could speak to, you know, why Rockwell acquired um, Fix and, and where, where's that taking you and how's that going to help in the direction you want to take Fix as a company? Yeah, it's a, you know, it's a great question. And, you know, we can get into that, uh, I think, at a, at a fairly high level um, here today. But, you know, I think it's a very natural natural fit, right? Like if you, 
if we look at the market and look at IT and OT, it's the, it's, it's the perfect marriage of um, IT and OT. So, you know, operational tech and uh, information tech where, you know, you've got, um, you've got a great software platform and fix, but then you've got the, the operational um, hardware and software and really the know-how um, that, uh, that Rockwell has really been, uh, been known for um, over the course of, of many decades. And we combine some of the things that, uh, you know, both organizations do incredibly well and provide, you know, incredibly, incredible value for, for clients in our own right. And now we take some of those, those assets and we put them together. Um, you know, I believe the future is, uh, is, is very, very bright uh, in terms of, you know, what we're able to do when it comes to, you know, optimizing operations. And I, and I chose the word operations deliberately, right? Like, I think we could, you know, very easily, you know, think about, about maintenance and yes, you know, we're going to, we're going to go and we're going to solve a bunch of problems uh, specific to maintenance, given um, some of the synergy that's, that's created um, um, through the, uh, through the acquisition. But, uh, you know, I think more importantly, as organizations continue their digitization journey, um, you know, being able to leverage um, the plant data and the equipment data um, and uh, automate workflows, um, you know, th there's just so much that can be done. And I believe, you know, this is, this is the starting point. And um, yeah, I just couldn't be more excited about, uh, you know, what the, what the future is going to bring uh, moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, that's for, for anyone that's interested in tech and watches the, you know, I would be reluctant to call you guys a startup at that point in time when you got acquired, but, um, you know, definitely in the growth phase of, of your business, it's always exciting to see. And, and I can only imagine the due diligence that someone like Rockwell um, would put a company like you through and to get all the way through those stages and make the acquisition means two things. One is you are solving customer problems and two, you have um, substantial technology backing that that makes a worthwhile investment. Um, yeah. So this this isn't a you know a, a startup where you're struggling to to get a customer and it's proven technology that works and is scalable, right? Yeah, maybe not a startup anymore, but um, yeah. you know we're innovating um, at the at the speed and pace of a startup, but isn't with that, the capital with the capital of a Fortune 500 company. Isn't so that a beautiful it's way of putting it's good. it? <laughs> yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting. That's exactly the good way of putting it. Yeah, is the agility. I think I like the uh, the statement. It's a startup with deep pockets. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, yeah, I'm sure Marie, <laughs> Rockwell's pretty uh, pretty tight to their PL statements, but uh, yeah. Um, so that, that's interesting. And Graham on Nano Precise, since we had last talked, um, I've seen you guys have started to expand. You are um, opening an office in in Europe and starting. Yeah, to yeah, get the, the, the UK, our first uh, office in in Europe. Uh, so we're we're already in India uh, and Asia. Uh, and then obviously North America, but uh, yeah, first first foray into the UK and brought on a gentleman. Uh, he's a, you know he's thirty year veteran of this space. Uh, Brian Forrest, really excited to have him on board. Uh, you know he uh, had a Cat three vibration analyst and you know was a managing director at his prior company. So he he kind of has all the bells and whistles of a guy who basically started the branch in the UK for the, his prior company. So he knows how to start a company and, and get it growing. And uh, at the same time, have a deep level of technical understanding of what we're doing. So pretty well, Fantastic. Fantastic. So anything you're saying is uh, it's just a matter of time before Rockwell comes and acquires you, right? 
Yeah, well, you know, they, they know where I am. <laughs> That's uh, right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I'll I'll deliver uh, I'll deliver the doorknob to the office if they pay the rent. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, well, well, Graham, Sandy, it was, it's been a pleasure having you on, and uh, you know, I think we just scratched the surface of of you know these what's happening in our industry with with partnerships, and as I said, I'm very excited to see this one in particular because uh, I know both companies. You're you're both great companies on with you know, equally as great technology, but in different spaces. And when you combine those, I think you have a truly, you know, what I've called digital solution to solve our customers' problems. Um, so we're, I guess we'll start with you, Graham. Where could our listeners go to find out some more information about uh, NanoPrecise? Yeah, uh, NanoPrecise, S as in Sam, C as in Charlie.com. Uh, and then uh, we're on YouTube as well and LinkedIn all over the place. So if you've got Google or that's whatever right. other search yeah, engine actually, you use that's a very good point am i just dating myself with saying how can we get in touch like just google it yeah. <laughs> right that, that should be your response just just google it if you can't find us then we probably don't want to talk to you <laughs> uh yeah it's uh we're, we're you know we're heavily active on all the various platforms to try and uh, i'll put the link message in, the, out in, there. The in the show notes as well and then sandy on 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 your end um how was the best way of getting in touch um, with you or, or find out more about Fix? Yeah, we're at fixsoftware.com. So that's F-I-I-X software.com. Um, check us out there. Lots of new content uh, being added um, seemingly on a daily basis. And um, yeah, stay tuned for more exciting updates. Great. Well, appreciate both of your time. Hopefully you got some our listeners some ideas of what is happening in in the CMS world, when you're combining it with technology like NanoPrecise and you start putting AI on top of things, uh, I know, as I said, I think both of you agree, is we're just at the tip here of, of what is what the potential is. And it's companies like you that are going to cut the path for the rest of us. So we appreciate you doing what you're doing and coming on this podcast. Yeah, and then we can uh, line up another one some other time that has nothing to do with our particular companies and debate, uh, you know, Industry 4.0 and, you know, the, the different paths people take and where they get the most value. Cause I, I love that conversation. I we should. Yeah. I, I'm actually looking for, you know, a podcast where we just go at each other. Yeah. Um, and I think that was that, yeah. <laughs> a proper debate where, you know, you're throwing things in your, yeah, but darn it. I keep on getting people that I agree with and I got to stop doing that. Uh, <laughs> so I got to find someone I completely disagree with and try to go at them, but no, sounds good. Well, thank you, Graham. And, and thank you, Sandy, for your time. Yeah, thank you, Blair. Really enjoyed it. I uh, appreciate you having me on. Well, thank you, listeners, for making it all the way to the end of this podcast and you were able to gather some insights of what's happening in industry um, from the strategic partnerships that are happening all over the place. And, and this partnership between NanoPrecise and Fix Software, I think, is a, a great example of two leading companies in their space coming together to solve a greater problem and help us make our assets perform better, longer, and safer. As always, um, please reach out to us if you have any questions, any podcast ideas. If you would like to be on the show or a specific topic, please feel to reach out. Thank you, and we'll talk to you next week.